All right, so if we just cross over the road, yeah, this, we have is, um, this is my favorite club in Berlin. Over here we have the Adagio. The Adagio is actually a male strip club. That is severe sarcasm. Welcome to the very seventh episode of Walrus and the Bear, the podcast where I, Walrus, take on the intricate and wildly fascinating city that is Berlin. Every other week, I visit one of Berlin's historic highlights, taking along with me someone who is not originally from this city. And on this week's episode, we are at... Potsdamer Platz. You damn skippy, we are at Potsdamer Platz. But where are we exactly? Uh, the S-Bahn station. Potsdamer Platz S-Bahn station. Very well done, people. And with me, I have Izan Choksi, who actually thinks... It's um, super confusing. I mean, we're heading into a place with a million escalators. Yes. Stuff going down, stuff going up. Yeah. Where are we? Well, we're actually underneath the Potsdamer Platz, underneath the huge square. And it's kind of weird down here. It's, it's way too empty for how big it is. Like, there's way too less people yeah, that's for true. how big it is. That's because true. if you look over here, where does the, what is all this? Okay, hold your horses. There's definitely some stuff wrong here, but we'll get into that. Let's first dig into the square a little deeper, shall we? Because this is not any square we're talking about, not any bit of land in Berlin. No, this is Potsdamer Platz. <laughs> When was the first time you actually got to uh, to Potsdamer Platz? Can you remember the first time? I do remember. I remember it distinctly. I was 16 years old on a school trip, and we went to the Sony Center, and we watched the lights change on the ceiling. And mm. I remember thinking, why have they taken us here? What do you mean, why have they taken us here? Because it's freaking awesome. I think the first thing that I would say, the first sort of impression that I get of Potsdamer Platz is that it kind of looks like it's been put here. And... It looks quite out of place with the rest of Berlin. Yeah, I guess you're kind of right. It doesn't strike like your typical Berlin neighborhood. But what makes it so alien? Well, partly because of the size of the buildings, because it's so rare to have these really high-rise buildings. And a lot of the time, if, they, if you do have a high-rise that's, you know, quite tall, they were built in the 1960s and they're pretty ugly. So it doesn't feel like Berlin. What does come to mind walking over Potsdamer Platz? Shanghai or... Um, Hong Kong, Dubai, <laughs> London. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Yeah, it's pretty much the high-rises that do it, that give you that feeling like you're not in Berlin, but in some international, over-the-top, bustling metropolis. The architectural landscape of Berlin does not favor skyscrapers, making everything that does stick out immediately very present. Historically, there is an interesting reason for Berlin to be relatively flat. I always like to point out that after 1945, Berlin had, you know, a colossal amount of space because so much of it had been destroyed. And the idea of building high rises was ridiculous because there was so much space you didn't need to. There was no constraint on the size of, of where you could build out. But even before the city got flattened, Berlin never had a real space issue. It has always been referred to as a broad city, consisting of several different towns that got swallowed up by Berlin in 1920. 
But let's do this right. Let's start from the beginning. The whole reason why Potsdamer Platz got famous in the first place. Here, what I like to call it is the place where five roads meet. The place where five roads meet. Because you've got these huge roads colliding together at Potsdamerplatz, which kind of reminds us in a way of what it would have looked like, you know, a hundred years ago. It would have looked exactly like this, but for a long time it didn't look anything like this because it was a desolate wasteland. So it's a good place to start a Potsdamerplatz tour because it kind of gives you an idea of old bit and also what it is today. And there we are, a connection with the there and now through this massive intersection. Now picture this, a hundred years ago this was one of the busiest traffic hubs in Europe, an absolutely massive square with shops and hotels, with cars, trams and people all about. Potsdamer Plus was like the European version of Times Square in New York City. It was from this square that Berlin's first actual train departed in 1838. It drove towards the city of Potsdam, hence the name Potsdamer Platz. In 1882, Germany's first electric streetlights were installed on the square. And in 1923, Potsdamer Platz would be the beacon for Germany's first podcast. Uh, I mean, radio broadcast. And of course, let us not forget the pride of modern traffic regulation. What is that traffic light right over here? Oh, that is officially the first traffic light ever in the whole world that was electric. So this square was the absolute pinnacle of modern German society in the late 19th and the beginning of the 20th century. A time when Berlin flourished not only as a German or even a European capital, but as the third biggest city in the world after New York and London. This period, between 1871 and 1918, referred to as the Wilhelminian era, the time of the emperor left an imprint on Potsdamer Platz as well. This picture here, this is a fascinating picture. This is taken of where we were just standing, this place where five roads meet, you know. And back then you have buildings all around it, you've got trams coming, you've got buses, you've got people crisscrossing all over the place. It's massive. It is massive. So we're, we're standing now underneath the Sony Center. We're going to enter it in a little bit. But we're looking at all of these pictures now that explain a little bit of how this place looked like uh, well, in the, in the early 20th century. Uh, the first one dates back from 1908. And on it is the interior from the famous Hotel Esplanade, the most luxurious and technologically advanced hotel of its time. Uh, and just shows you the kind of the arrogance of the Wilhelm era, but as well as that, the opulence and how, you know, Kaiser Wilhelm is, is creating Berlin at this time as one of the most luxurious cities in Europe, one of the most modern cities in Europe. Unfortunately, this age of prosperity is not long lived. The National Socialists come into power in 1933, plunging Germany and the rest of the world in one of the most tragic events history had ever seen. Potsdamer Platz becomes the epitome of bombed-out Berlin after the Second World War. We can actually see how it looks like on this picture right over here, uh, which explains um, Potsdamer Platz in the 50s, and here we can see this, this massive wasteland, basically. This is yet again the place where three road, you know, five roads meet. This is sort of up there in the corner. You can kind of see where the Hotel Esplanade would have been, but obviously there's nothing there anymore. So, yeah, it's a wasteland. It's quite incredible to look at those two pictures 20 years apart to see what was there before and what was there after. 
So the Second World War absolutely destroys the square and everything on it. And then also why they did not, why they did not develop it right after. Um, first of all, they need to take a rubble out of the city. They need to rebuild quite a few uh, other parts of the city. But then in 1961, the wall happened. So we can see in the next, in the next picture. And the wall, as we, we just spoke about, runs right through Potsdamer Platz. Mm -hmm. Just divides it all of a sudden into being East and West Berlin. And both East and West Berlin decide not to develop the land on either side of the wall. It's just not appealing. So Potsdamer Platz remains empty, a wasteland. everyone. From the west side of the Berlin Wall at the Brandenburg Gate, I'm Tom Brokaw. The Brandenburg Gate, of course, is in East Berlin, and the sound that you hear and what you're seeing tonight, not hammers and sickles, but hammers and chisels as young people take down this wall bit by bit. The coming down of the wall on the 9th of November 1989 will have a tremendous impact on the wasteland formerly known as Potsdamer Platz. Because something will arise on this spot that is going to provide for the most peculiar spot that Berlin has to offer today. But first, a little break. Peeps, there's three more episodes after this one. The Reichstag, the Weisensee Cemetery and episode 10. And that's a special one because I'm on an investigation. An investigation on the podcast community in the city of Berlin. You know, I love listening to podcasts, I love making them, but I don't get a good grip on what's going on here in terms of production. I'll speak to several makers along the way, trying to find out what drives them and bring you the final story in episode 10 of Walrus and the Bear. It will be the season finale. We'll also take a glimpse into what the podcast has to offer for the year 2016. We're only just getting started, baby. Back to the program. But then they have to make some sort of a plan for Potsdamer Platz because it used to be such a bustling center for Berlin. Immediately after the fall of the wall, on this empty stretch of land, plans are made to revive Potsdamer Platz to its former glory. In the 1990s, the former square is turned into Europe's largest construction site, erecting 39 massive buildings in a period of only 10 years. Yeah, well, I think there was a huge amount of optimism. I mean, you've got the fall of the wall in 1989 with heralds you know, the fall of the Soviet Union, and Potsdamer Platz becomes like a symbol of this optimism in the architectural world of how you can rebind two cultures that have been separated for 40 years you know it's like this incredibly optimistic time during the 1990s of like how do we recreate a city and how do we recreate a city that's going to show prosperity democracy capitalism you know freedom at its most lavish <laughs> and most wonderful mm. and um and so the product of that is daimler center and sony center which basically tried to build what they had had in Potsdamer Platz a hundred years earlier, which was this bustling metropolis city centre. The question, of course, is, did they succeed? Did the two main developers, the Sony Corporation and Daimler-Benz, manage to turn this desolate wasteland into a thriving city centre, ready for the challenges of the 21st century? Our question is answered the moment we ride up the escalator into the Sony Center. I mean, I'm no architecture buff, um, but it, it kind of does uh, 
yeah, it does feel like something that you would see out of a futuristic movie. It does. You know, you can actually see, like, I love this on, on the sides, you can see the lifts outside of the building going up and down. Uh, and they're made of glass. So the idea is that when you're inside those lifts, if you're scared of heights, you're obviously going to be quite scared. Yeah. But if you're not scared of heights, then you can see the whole panoramic view of what's around you. Um, and what's around you is this massive circular building with this huge space in the middle that's been taken up by cafes, restaurants, the massive IMAX theatre. And not only that, but they have managed to incorporate history in this brand new spectacle of architecture. We're standing in front of the, of the, the last remaining bits of this bustling life that was <laughs> yeah. here before the Second World War. It's like a little antique or a little... Um, a fraction, a tiny little fragment of the past that's been preserved. Um, what we were talking about you know, earlier when we were talking about what it used to look like and this is the only bit left that really tells us what that would have been like. It's a reconstructed or you know, the last bit of the Kaiser Saal, which is the the Kaiser's ballroom inside the Hotel Esplanade which was somehow miraculously managed to survive Second World War bombing and they decided to actually keep it and integrate it into the rest of the Sony Center. So in fact the Sony Corporation and the city of Berlin have managed to create and set up the plan a structure for the future of city planning in Berlin a bold and architecturally ambitious city center where Berliners feel free to have a good time or is it? Indulge yourself in modern commercial activities and in a sense it's achieved that so there's something quite satisfying about Potsdam Platz, even though you know it's not integrated into the city very well even though it how, feels... how often are you here <laughs> never <laughs> <laughs> why would I ah <laughs> oh, really all right so what's up with this structure then? This is not for me, you know. Well, why is it not for you? I mean, as you said, it gives it gives pleasure. It's the idea that you can entertain yourself here. So why don't you come here? I don't know. It depresses me. I come here and I feel alone. I don't know. But I so think... that's that's the, the two sides of it, right? I mean, one side is this idea of definitely yes, it has achieved all these things. But <laughs> but I'm also digging digging into like what what does Izan think about uh, it? Because I I think Izan also feels a uh, little bit what I'm talking yeah, about. Yeah, no, here. absolutely. I the mean, reason why we're really not coming not here um, is because it's also, I feel Potsdam Platz is like an island on itself. It stands in on itself here. There's nothing where you can go out to after you've been here. No. Like, just imagine yourself meeting a friend saying, hey, let's go to uh, Potsdam Platz, let's get a cup of coffee, and afterwards we can walk around the neighborhood a little bit and try to find them. <laughs> because there's nothing here. You know, there's nothing where you could walk to to have another cup of coffee no, or a beer. No, that is a really good point about Potsdam Platz, is it's very badly connected um, with it, the U-Bahn and the S-Bahn. There, there, there is, is that, an U-Bahn station, true? there is an S-Bahn station, yeah. but it takes ages to walk there and it's confusing and you kind of get lost all the time. You're I don't like, think that is, is it. Where is the S-Bahn? Where is the U-Bahn? There's plenty of ways that you can come here. Even, I mean, you ride a bike, right? Yeah! So, I mean, you can come here riding a bike. The, I think it has more to do with the fact that the, the, the forms of entertainment that have been offered here are not the forms of entertainment that we're looking That's for. That's true. They are not. But there's more to the renewed Potsdamer Platz that hasn't really taken off. When the city of Berlin decided to have this plot of land become privately developed, they had one condition.
the site has to become a lively city center in and by itself and cannot just contain offices and working spaces. Both the Sony Center and the adjacent Daimler-Benz Center were to be filled with offices as well as apartments, shops and leisurely institutions like clubs and movie theaters. Let's see how well that has turned out. How many, uh, how many people live in Sony Center? Uh, no one. Definitely people live really? there. Really? I, th- I think there's people living there. Okay. I didn't realize that they had residential places here as well. I think. Well, I guess the Esplanade, on the outside it said Esplanade residence. Yeah, yeah. So that implies that maybe on the other side they have residential apartments. Can you imagine living here? Well, that, that, is, that is the Can fascinating... Can you imagine? <laughs> How weird that would be. I mean, you wouldn't even feel like you were living in Berlin. But that you'd, is... you'd have to say, I live in Potsdamer Platz. Yes. Well, let's cross the busy Potsdamer Strasse and have a look at the Daimler-Benz Center. Maybe things are better there. Oh, we're seeing some, um, some different architecture while we're once work- yes. walking into the Daimler-Benz Center. This is definitely a different atmosphere than uh, the Sony Center has. Very different. And you know what we were saying before about what, how this Potsdamer Platz feels dated? This feels much more dated yes. than the Sony Center. Yeah, absolutely. I think the Sony Center agree. does still look like something that was built you know, in the 2000s, even though it wasn't and it feels something that's still very contemporary, but this feels very dated. Yeah. We're standing on the, the bustling street called Alte <laughs> Potsdamer Straße. Huh? Bustling. Old Potsdamer Street. <laughs> bustling, just to make clear, is also a joke. Yeah, so uh, there is a lot of shops and restaurants, but there doesn't seem to be anyone inside, and actually the majority of the shops are closed. So just to clarify, what is it is Tuesday, probably 12. Yeah, 12. 12 on a Tuesday. Nothing is happening nothing here. Nothing is happening. <laughs> no, nothing is happening <laughs> here. And I don't think they planned it this way. If I'm correct, they um, did not plan this to be so empty and nothing going I, on I here. I don't think anyone really plans for a huge architectural project of this proportion to be completely vacant for the majority of its existence. (laughs) I don't think anyone really plans for that. Um, And also the the shops we're looking at, uh, I see yet again another Starbucks cafe. uh Um, Well, what else is there? Uh, There's a a TK Maxx and a Mango. TK Maxx, yeah. Not on this street. Jack and Jones. Uh, Oscar and Co. All the the, nice little local shops are are based on this street. Absolutely, super local. Again, sarcasm, just to clarify. (laughs) (laughs) We got the DM. Um, basically, all the restaurants here are chains. All the shops are chains. This is an extremely commercial street. And of course, that is not per se a bad thing. If you want to create a place where people can spend money, go to the theater, have a drink, basically a night out, chains are not necessarily your worst option. On the contrary, they have probably refined their strategies into catering to a specific audience, a specific need. But looking back at the assignment the architects and city planners had for Potsdamer Platz, namely to create a lively center to rival its historic counterpart, we have to acknowledge that things did not really work out well. So what we're looking at now is this triangle in front of us with the buildings on three sides, the end of this road, and then on one side of the road we have another couple of different buildings, one circular building, one high-rise in the distance, and then this huge 
entertainment complex. Yeah. And this is really this this triangle here, this says it all about what Renzo Piano, the architect, wanted to create in the Daimler Quarter. Because he wanted to create somewhere that had everything, that had shops, cafes, restaurants, places to relax, but also had an entertainment center, places to go and enjoy yourself, but also had really nice apartments where you could live and have a thriving community. But I think what he wanted, I mean, I might be wrong in this, but I think what he wanted was for it to reflect Berlin, so to have small local businesses, um, not chains, and not to be so corporate. But unfortunately, that doesn't seem to have happened. Whatever the reason is, we citizens of Berlin do not feel at home at Potsdamer Platz. It's evidently part of the city, and we visit it every once in a while, but we have a hard time connecting with it, feeling enveloped by it. I mean, I think Berlin's quite special because it's like lots of little different towns that are all somehow joined together um, and have been joined together with time but when you come here it feels like not a town it doesn't feel like a kind of community area it just feels like a bunch of big intimidating buildings and and i think that's why people don't feel like it's part of berlin maybe also for the first time you feel like you're an actual international city yes instead of like a village right <laughs> yeah <laughs> like a small town maybe because i live in kreuzberg i see my little kreuzberg as my little like thing you know that's, yeah. that's berlin for me that's uh that's how it works yeah i'm the same i'm in naughty neukern you know neukern that used to be naughty the like neukern. cheeky town of rixdorf <laughs> where people would go and drink all night drink champagne take drugs and dance cheeky little dances and then it became naughty neukern for the hipsters of our generation true that and it does feel like a sort of ramshackle town that happens to be part of a global city Mm -hmm. possibly by accident um (laughs) whereas when we're here we feel like we just walked into yeah a, a genuinely real international city uh, at the heart of modern commerce capitalism and global democracy or something still Potsdamer Platz speaks to the imagination whether it to be the former grandeur of the Wilhelminian era or the futuristic endeavors by the reunified Berlin the square is unmistakably a center in and by itself I think it's just not appealing for the people living in the city who'd like to hide in their little kitzes It attracts visitors more than anything, which gives it a rather cold and fleeting touch. But maybe one day it'll be warmer. People go there for a spätig beer and karaoke nights. One day at Potsdamer Platz. Maybe. And that's it for episode 7 on Potsy Watsy. Izan Choksi was the absolute queen of this tour. Thank you so much for bringing sanity and order to this complicated architectural jungle. The soundtrack was created by Mr. Denis Wouters. And most of the other music for this episode was composed by the insanely talented Mr. Mark Schilders. That is Mark Schilders. S-C-H-Ilders. Thank you so much for listening. Next episode, The Reichstag. Or not. Hmm, interesting. Subscribe to iTunes or Stitcher. Become my friend on SoundCloud. And if you really want to know what Walrus is up to, check out the Walrus and the Bear Instagram account for exclusive behind-the-scenes footage. That's it for now. I'm Schönen Tag and see you later. Hold up. 